Amen. Um, what you're about to get, if you haven't already got one, is just one of these um, sheets here. If you haven't got one of these in your hand, just want to like whip up your hand quickly so someone can just put one of these in your hand. That's cool. Just get your hands up so you grab one. What I've decided to do uh, and probably will continue to do as we go forward is just put down some of the key thoughts about what I'm uh, sharing today, what I hope to share anyway, um, because more and more what I'm finding is that as I'm speaking, uh, things are coming in the moment. And so I've just put down sort of the, 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 uh, some of the scriptures for you, uh, some of the thoughts of what I'm attempting to, 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 to share, what God has sort of been showing to me. Um, and you'll see on the other side, there's just a blank bit of paper. So if you wanted to write notes, uh, you can as well. But you may already bring your own book, which is cool. So it's just something I thought might help in uh, just bringing clarity to what is um, being spoken. So I hope you find some sort of benefit out of that. But, um, you know, as, as things get darker around the world, who's been watching the news and, and seeing what's happening sort of around the globe? Uh, and not just in Gaza, but you know, as as things get darker, because they're going to get darker, we are to get brighter. We are to get brighter and brighter and brighter because we carry hope. Bible says that there is a living hope. His name is Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ lives in the church. And because of the hope, that living hope that we have living within us then we are to be the light of the world. And so as the world gets darker, as it does what it does, because it's doing what it does, the people of God are to be brighter and brighter and brighter so those who are in the world see a light. The Bible says a light shone into the darkness, but the world didn't recognize the light. But a whole lot of people are going to need to see a bright, illuminated people as things get darker, who aren't swayed, who aren't falling over because of the, the, the turmoil on the earth. They are to resonate love, resonate hope, resonate peace and joy, and to stand firm while things are going nuts. Amen? And that's our purpose. That's the work that God is doing in us as His people. Not to be caught up with it, not to be running around living for ourselves, but to be living for Him. And part of what I want to talk about today, and we've been looking at, is this whole thing of, I will build my church. I, being Jesus Christ, said that He will build His church. And we said, well, how does Jesus build His church? How does He do it? Because that's the only thing I'm really interested in. I'm interested in how God builds me up and you up according to his ways, not my ways, but his ways. If you look in the Old Testament, although it's one book, you'll see him saying to Moses, I give you a pattern in which to build the tabernacle. And God is very specific to the pattern that he gives for the tabernacle to be built. Have you noticed that? He's extremely detailed. He does not leave anything to measure. When the temple was built, it's exactly the same. There is a pattern to which you build to, and the same in the New Testament. The difference is he's no longer building temples like this or buildings or tents. 
He's building people. And the people are you and I, His people. And when we capture this revelation that actually we are the church and that He's building us and so He's building systems and and uh, pillars and and life in us for us to be upright and strong in Him, not in myself, but in Him, things start to alter and shift when you realize that it's you He's building. It's us. And that we then are to reflect Him. Yeah? And so He's looking for a people that will reflect Him on the earth more than ever at this time. More than ever. That the people of God need to be the people of God. We need to be these people that have this hope. Firstly, to glorify His name. And secondly, to help one another. And thirdly, there's going to be a whole lot of people running around panicking, looking for something. Looking for hope, aren't they? And so here's the ultimate challenge for me and you is to be on the building process and being built. As we looked at last week, we are not the cat, we are not the butterfly yet. We are being formed into it. So he washes us with his blood. He washes us. He makes us righteous and then says, right now, take my word and my spirit, the spirit of truth and allow me now to build me in you. So the reality of me in you, you're able to demonstrate. See, wisdom is the demonstration of God on the earth. It's not just having a brainy idea from heaven and putting into play. Wisdom is being able to demonstrate the Father on the earth, meaning the Father through you, that is so not of the world. Well, how is that ever going to be possible when this thing of self in me that lives within us, even though I've received Jesus Christ, even though I've received the Spirit, this thing called self still dominates me. It still maybe controls me and I can't get free from me. I want to. I have a desire to. I truly want to live for you, Lord. But... I don't know, I just seem to not be able to do the things that I have a desire to do and I always seem to find myself living for me. Anyone relate to that? And God says, I knew you'd be like this. All of humanity has been like this. You'll see it in my disciples. You'll see them get sort of semi-released from themselves and then live for me and then you'll see them living for themselves again. You'll see them asking me questions like, who is the greatest? Who will be at your right hand on that day? And then you'll see them reaching out and laying their lives down and seeing another reality come. God said, I knew you'd be like this. Hence, I sent my Holy Spirit Hence, I sent the Spirit of truth to come and fill you so you can be severed from you and then capable and able to start living for me. 
You know, one of the greatest things the power that is contained within the Holy Spirit does is sever you from yourself. It loosens you from you. And it propels you into His reality. You see, we cannot loosen ourselves from ourselves because ourselves wants to live. And there's only two gods on this world. It's the God of self and then there's the real God. And the ultimate battle for every follower of Jesus Christ is to allow the God of the universe to come through and shine and overflow. That's the ultimate challenge, is to not have you living with your thinking and your ways and your our heartbeats and to have Him coming out of us. That we would glorify and radiate Him. Why? Because He fills us with Himself. And within that filling, there is genuine, real power that comes into us that then loosens us from self and propels us into a whole different reality. You see, there is a thing called the kingdom of the world, darkness, and the kingdom of God. And the challenge is to be unshackled from the kingdom of darkness and to live from the kingdom of God. To think like the kingdom of God thinks. To speak like the kingdom of God speaks. To see and hear like the kingdom of God does. And not to have still earthly wisdom, earthly attitudes, earthly language, but to be a people that have been rescued from that and propelled into His reality. To leave one reality and come into another one through the outpouring and the continuous outpouring of truth. So when I say this, a baptism today of the Spirit or a filling of the Spirit, I'm saying this, a filling up of God, a filling up of Jesus, a filling up of love, a filling up of Him. So ultimately, to be baptized in the Spirit means to be baptized into God. More and more and more and more because it's limitless. So it's just a continuation of being filled with truth. Revealed truth that sets you and I free. You see, there is a wrestle for our hearts, isn't there? There is an ultimate wrestle for the top position in our heart. And what the power of God does and the filling up of God does, it severs you if He is not there, if there is something else that has that posture, another person, whether that be husband, wife, girlfriend, boyfriend, children, whether that be a a career, whether that be money, whether that be sport, whatever sits in the priority of that place, it's designed for Him. But how do you shift that reality when you can't even shift it? You may have a desire that you want God to be at the number one in your life, but the reality is 
He's not. And you continue to pour out that affection upon other things. And so you go, God, I'm stuffed. I can't make that happen because I continually find myself in love with other things. But what I can do is I can recognize it. I can recognize the fact that I love Liverpool Football Club more than I do love you. And I can recognize that that's not biblical. That's not the truth. That's not how it is supposed to be. But it is. So I'm just going to come before you today and admit it because you know it's true. Everyone else knows it's true, but the only one who's fooling themselves is me. Pretending that it's not. But you want it to be. Why? So then I can live for you wholeheartedly. And so I've just got to acknowledge it. Recognize it. Then acknowledge it. And then turn. And move towards the reality that I really want. The Bible says this. I will lead you. If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me in a measure that you haven't found me yet, which will actually fill you to a measure and you'll no longer love that thing. What a beautiful process. And he does it so gently. But the question is, do we really want it? And so he says, I knew you'd be in this position. So you know what I do? I pour out my spirit. I pour it out. And in contained within the Spirit is power. Jesus was baptized in the Holy Spirit and power. I haven't yet figured out fully whether they're still integrated or whether they're separate things. And I, the Bible confuses me a bit. So I just trust in the fact that whatever way, it's fully available. <laughs> but what I do know, there is a reality because I have experienced it to a measure. And I know what it did to me. And so I'm preaching living testimony. I'm not preaching you theory. I'm preaching a reality that can be found within the Holy Spirit. And I see it within the Scriptures. I see these men called the disciples who pre the baptism struggled, didn't understand, heard Him, didn't understand, did a little bit. And I see Jesus helping them opening up their minds to understand things, walking with them, constantly encouraging them, at times giving them a little bit of a slapping. How long have I been with you and you still don't understand? I've given you the mystery to understand the whole kingdom of God. How come we're not here, guys? I'm with you physically. I'm demonstrating what it looks like. I am it. I even come to you in my transfigured state and I show you the fullness of the kingdom of God. It was Him transformed. That's to be in us. Where is the kingdom of God? In us. The transformation of the church. In us. See? So He demonstrates it. He demonstrates it. He says, you know what? I knew you are going to be like this, but guess what? I know that when I go, my Spirit is coming. And it will fill you and there's going to alter you and it's going to loosen you from you, Peter. And where you once denied me, you will go to the cross and be turned upside down and nailed. And all those disciples that were 
sort of arguing amongst themselves. They all said they would go to their death and no one turned up (laughs) would eventually go to their death. Why? Because the Holy Spirit was poured out and the power in the Spirit came into them and in a heartbeat, to a measure, they were altered. And the heartbeat you see of these men after this process of receiving this power, they are not completely, they're not perfect, but they are radically altered. They see things now. Peter goes from this guy that goes, he's asleep in the garden. Okay, He's full of something himself. He's full of flesh. See, when he says, I will go with you, and I, can you hear the language? I will die with you. Wherever you go, I will go. Well, then when the opportunity presents itself for that to be fulfilled, where is he? See, flesh won't take you anywhere, but it will take care of you. You'll be running in the opposite way that the Spirit's trying to go. That's okay. He knew we'd all be like this. So he pours himself out so we are able to say and do. What we say, we're able to back up with a demonstration because of the life and the power that he has poured into us. But that vessel must be broken. That vessel must be humble. That vessel must have come to the end of itself to have that measure poured into it. That's a challenge. And we see Peter. The Bible says he went and wept bitterly. See, the man realized in a moment in time that what he said and what he was going to do, he couldn't fulfill. He left his best friend on his own in a moment when he says, would you pray with me? And the man is asleep along with the other two. But Jesus said, that's okay. I know my spirit's coming. And Peter, he was the first one he went back to after he was resurrected. I love about him. See, he's got a love that we do not understand but we can come into it. We're going to look at that. There's a love of the Father that through the Spirit, you and I can receive and live from, which will empower us to love others the way He wants us to love others. And He comes to Peter. And Peter still doesn't get it. Do you love me, Peter? Yes, I do. Do you love me, Peter? Yes, I do. Was Peter deaf? No. Do you love me, Peter? Man, why are you asking me if you love or I love you? I've told you three times, are you deaf? Feed my sheep. He knew that Peter would be placed in a situation in an upper room because he was obedient. And he'd be found there and he'd be waiting there. He'd be in a posture of waiting for the outpouring to be filled. And then not just one-off event, but then to be continually filled with truth, the living word, Christ. And through that process, transformation would start to occur. His thinking would come into the thinking of Christ. His language would come into the language of heaven, of the kingdom. His ambassadorship, his representation would look completely different to what it did. 
free the pouring out. And you and I have all that available to us today. That's what encourages me, excites me, and at the same time challenges and scares the pants off me. That there is no cap. Do you know who puts the cap on it? Me. My thinking caps God. We're going to look at that through Ephesians. That what this power does that's contained in and through the Spirit, it'll literally catapult you from one thinking into another. It'll open up God in a realm that none of us have ever understood God to be. Do we all know God fully? No. And like we've been looking about, what's the first major core essential that God builds upon? Upon the Father revealing, unraveling, pulling down on the Father doing that of His Son and then placing that in me. Not to me, but in me. Awesome. Who's heard of a man called Smith Wigglesworth? I'm going to read you. I got this awesome book, Smith Wigglesworth. Bit of a mouthful, eh? Smith Wigglesworth on spirit-filled living. Let me read you a couple of excerpts from this. The baptism of the Holy Spirit links heaven to earth. And God wants us to be so filled with the Spirit and walk in the Spirit so that while we live here on earth, our heads will be right up in heaven. Now, whenever you hear baptism in the Spirit, put in God, put in love, put in truth. Because ultimately, everything comes back to there being one God. It's an expression of Him. Different ways, but it all leads back to the same one posture of the Spirit. See, we're so fleshly, we're so earthly, and we break it all up. We decompartmentalize our whole lives. We do it to God too. Let's decompartmentalize God. Okay, so I'm looking for joy this week. Next week, I'm looking for peace. Then I'm looking for patience. Give me patience. No, just give me more of Jesus Christ, and I'll get patience, joy, gentleness, kindness, love. See, he's given us the Spirit to come into the things of the Spirit, to understand the Spirit, to then be able to demonstrate a reality here on earth that is so different from the world and the world's ways. Let me keep reading this. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is the essential power in the body that will bring rest from all your weariness and give you a hopeful expectation that each day may be the day we go up with Him. The highest purpose God has for us is that we will be transformed into the image of the Son. None of us will be able to be ministers of this new covenant of promise in the power of the Holy Spirit without humility. It seems to me that Seems to me that the way to get up is to get down. 
<laughs> Isn't that beautiful? That is so opposite to the wisdom of the world. And that can, wisdom in the world can be in us and be in me. To me, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, listen to this, is not a goal. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is not a goal. It is an infilling that allows us to reach the highest level. The holiest position that it is possible for human nature to reach. The baptism of the Holy Spirit comes to reveal Him who is filled fully with God. So I see that to be baptized with the Holy Spirit is to be baptized into death, into life, into power, into fellowship with the Trinity where we cease to be. Where we cease to be. Woo! See what it does? But you can't get there. We, I can't get there on my own. I can't do that. This is what this power, this is what the Spirit does. Boom! Kills you. More of God. Increase of God, decrease of me. Thank you, Lord. And He knew we'd all be in this state. Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Galatians 2.20. I believe that God wants to be put, sorry, I believe that God wants to put His hand upon us so that we may reach ideal definitions of humility, of human helplessness, of human insufficiency until we rest no more upon human plans, but have God's thoughts, God's voice, and God, and God the Holy Spirit to speak to us. I think the man knew what he was talking about. I think the man experienced a reality of God. I certainly know I've heard of the demonstration of it through his life. Now listen to this last one. There are two sides to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The first condition is that you possess the baptism. The second condition is that the baptism possesses you. Imagine that. What happened? clothed in, filled in, continuous filling. I am being possessed by this thing. Possessed by God. Filled with God to an overflowing measure that the life of Christ in Him was the life and that life was the light of men. Where is that light? In. Okay? The first has to happen before the second can occur. I trust that we will witness the demonstration of the Spirit's power, of the anointing that is received, because every person in this place must see the need of being filled with the Holy Spirit. It is important. No, it is more than important. You neglect it at your peril. I want to do a little demonstration. And I've done this before. It's slightly different, but it works well. So, Danny, if you can come and give us a hand. Nice bit of soy sauce. Now this is him and us so there's Spirit of God in here and there's also us. Okay? So we're both in here together. 
I pray a prayer, I receive Him. To the measure in which I receive Him, to the fullness of His truth, the reality. So on one aspect we go, okay, I receive Christ, I receive the fullness of God, beautiful. I'm now covered by Him. He doesn't see the two sides, He just sees the one. Are you with me? So I'm fully, I'm made righteous by the blood of the Lamb. If I was to die tonight, I'd go with Him. Now there's the outworking that needs to get rid of that so it's just fully clear. It's called working out your salvation through the power of the Holy Spirit and the living Word. So, this is the Holy Spirit and power. Okay? We'll come into the middle. I'll hold back. I'll hold back. You hold back. So, when He pours more of himself into us through the revelation of the Son in us. This is what happens. Not a lot of self left in there. All Him inside of us. Why? Because the Son has continued to be revealed in us that we are then able to demonstrate the reality of it. Not just have the theory of it. Not just have a measure of, yes, I understand that I have been made whole, but then I continue to think like me. I continue to live like me. I continue... Thanks, Dave. I continue to make this sort, my choices based on me. See, it's two sides. And the church has to wake up to realize that it's a two-sided coin, not a one-sided message. We've preached one side really well. And it's time to understand that Paul preached Jesus and the kingdom. That is a kingdom message. Do you understand? It's a kingdom message. What's the kingdom message, Greg? It's about the transformation of God's people into His image through having a revealed position of Christ in them which transforms our mind, has us thinking like Him. So no longer do I battle with my identity. No longer do I battle with whether I'm saved or not saved. No longer do I battle with jealousy. No longer do I battle with... uh my thinking that, that has me actually living like a slave. No longer do I battle with finances. Why? Because the power of God that's contained within the Spirit is being poured into me more and more because I'm a broken, contrite-hearted person who acknowledges that I haven't got it all together and I can't fix me, but I position myself to receive more as I seek Him and the living Spirit of truth comes through His Word, through Spirit to Spirit, and just pours into this vessel that He sees as open, that He sees as hungry, that He sees as wholehearted, that He sees as devoted unto him and that slowly but surely sets you apart from the things of the world do you know the things of the world are living or living sorry loving your children more than you love him let me read you something that please don't hit me but we need to be people who are of the truth because the truth will set us free and realign us to such a measure 
that will bring us into His reality, which enables us to actually love our children and the people the way God intends, like Him. If we don't go through this process, we will never be able to live it out. You see, we try and go round the gate. We try and go round our way. Do you know in John 10 when it says the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy? Who's the thief? Yell it out who the thief is. Wrong. False teachers. Okay? We think this is go do some homework. It's not. We preach it's Satan. Well, it's nice that Satan comes to steal, kill and destroy. Satan comes to rob you of things. He become, He's like a, a, say a lion that's waiting to devour. But that context for that scripture is not Satan. It is a false teacher. Do you know what a false teacher is? Someone preaching a reality that's actually not revealed to them. It's their idea of what it is. And they lead people around the wrong way. Okay? Come through the cross. No, no, no. You come around this way and get in the pen this way. No, no, no. God is the only way. I am the way. My way is repentance. My way is brokenness. I need to snap that nature that's in you. That's why I pour my nature into you to break it and to continue to break it so you'll be humble enough to actually receive living manna from heaven. This was the greatest problem with the Israelites in the day. They didn't have faith to enter into the rest of God because they wouldn't do it God's way. And so false teacher is not ooh, necessarily, look, who's a false teacher. It's someone who doesn't even know they may be being a false teacher because what they're doing is they're not preaching from a revealed position of truth. They're preaching their version of it. And so innocently, but naively, people start following. And then we don't come into this position. We wonder why. Why aren't we coming into what's written in the book? Why is it that we're actually not experiencing the life? This mustn't be real. This can't be true. No, it is. We've just come around the wrong way. And we're trying to experience resurrected life without resurrected death. And we try and experience that without making a decision to die in a thing called the garden. Paul said, I want to know the power of the resurrected life. He said, I'm not there fully. I'm experiencing it to an overwhelming measure, but there's more. I want to know him. I want to know the power of his resurrection. And I want to have fellowship with the man's sufferings. Not that I've attained all that yet, but I want to experience more of it. Well, if we want to experience the power of God and the fulfillment of what he has, we've got to go through his process. Not our process, not the easy process. Although the more we go through his process, the greater it is to go through the process because we realize death to self is a beautiful thing. Who's discovered that? Letting go of you is heavenly. Letting go of what you want is the greatest thing that you could do for your own life and the lives of those around you. What are you talking about? What planet are you from? What value system says that? What culture says that? The one from another realm? See, when Jesus was on the earth, he really was living where he was from. So he was physically present, but what was inside of him was from another realm. That's why the man that was the teacher of the day called Nicodemus 
who had yet to have that, that kingdom, that culture birthed in him, had no concept about what he was talking about when he was talking about being born again. You're 30, 30 years old. How do you get back inside your mother's tummy? That would hurt. It hurts enough when they come out, never mind trying to get back in there and birthing that out. And Jesus is like, what are you talking about? Jesus didn't even stop to, to discuss that. He just walked away and said, oh, man, you're the teacher? You're the one that's been left? Why do you think he had to come? Because we made such a hash of it. I don't know if we're doing too well now. Some are, and I don't know. We're in a process of transformation, aren't we? This community is being transformed. Let me read you this in Matthew 10, 34. Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be the members of his household. It's a bit strong, isn't it? What's he saying? I'm looking and I've come to divide spirit and flesh. I'm come to separate the two out. Firstly, in a person. I come to pour my spirit into a person, my power into a person, to separate that person more into my spirit than they are in their flesh. The life I now live, I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God, even though I'm in this body. That's why faith is so important. Faith is the ability to see. It's about being able to see in the Spirit and then move towards it. The more you do that, the more filled up you are of the Spirit. And the flesh doesn't hold you. So firstly, he's saying, I come and I come to separate flesh and Spirit. Danielle and I have been walking this out. You can be married and one can be in Spirit and one can be in flesh. You can both be in flesh, you can both be in Spirit. You can both be in a mixture of both, and that's really the reality we're all in. But just because you're married and just because you have kids and just because you have mums and laws and dads and law doesn't mean that you're one in spirit with those people. Now you go, okay, if we're all saved, you go, okay, yeah, we've all received the spirit, so we sort of are, but then how come your thinking and my thinking don't align? How come when I have this reality you get offended at that reality or you run away from me when things don't quite go the way you want it to go. Why, why, how can that happen if we're truly, really have all have the wisdom in it and the work is complete? Wouldn't we be together? Because truth and love don't go anywhere. It keeps coming. Jesus keeps coming to transform us. He never left me. He never forsake me. He keeps coming. Love keeps coming. Truth keeps coming if it's really there. It's a demonstration of it. If it's not there, you can't demonstrate it, which means you're going the opposite way because you're in flesh. Can you hear what I'm saying? So he comes, and what he's saying is, I come to divide. I don't come to bring this nice thing. You've got to hear it in the context of other scriptures. What's he looking for? Therefore, do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I'm not going to bring but a sword. 
and a sword cuts and a sword does its work. And then he says this, which is challenging to all of us. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who has found his life will lose it. And he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. Firstly, this is talking about a spiritual reality. Greg, are you saying that Jesus wants me to hate Lily and Maddie? No. What he's saying is I want you to love me more than you love them and I need to cut the fleshly tie, the soul tie that you have to them first, which is the wisdom of the world. I need to realign it through the power of my Holy Spirit, through the pouring in of my spirit, which brings you, does a work in you that you can't do. It does a work in you, which changes that whole nature towards them. You've been loosened from them. You've been disconnected from this earthly anchor, connected into a kingdom anchor. Then you go back and now you pour out love upon them which is unconditional here's the new commandment love them like I love you with the same agape love impossible if I don't go through that process impossible all things are possible with God can you hear that there is a position that you and I are to demonstrate to the earth and to one another because of our own reality with God on the inside. It's called the kingdom of God. It is not about going and being dentists in Africa and fixing people's teeth and going, oh, aren't we good? We did a good work. That is not the kingdom of God. That is a good work from the Father leading that, but that is not the kingdom of God. Okay, The kingdom of God is the invisible internal transformation of you and I, our hearts and our minds, that when people look, they see Christ in us. We are not the hope of the world. Him in us is. Well, can they see Him in us? It's one thing to say, yeah, I prayed a prayer two two years ago. Are you demonstrating the reality? That is one side of the coin, guys. That's the Jesus message. That Paul preached. And he says, but I preach Jesus and the kingdom. Jesus never preached himself. He demonstrated himself. You won't see that message from Jesus. What did he say? Repent because the kingdom is at hand. He never talked about himself going to a cross. He just preached the kingdom. He demonstrated himself. So he didn't have to preach himself. He was the demonstration of himself. And then so he preaches this message about kingdom. And he said, you guys, you will not die until you see the kingdom. And then he went like this. Woohoo, here it is. And they went, whoa. And they found out. They didn't know what to do. Should we pitch a tent? We don't know what to do. What's that? And the Bible says they were afraid of it, what they saw. He's showing you him and his righteousness and his glorified state. Here it is, you will not die till you see the kingdom of God. It stands in front of you. And Moses and Elijah turn up on the hill. And they're talking. And Peter, James and John are like. And hiding. But it's God. What are you hiding from? And there's a voice that comes, isn't there? 
from above. Listen to him. Listen to my son. I just got to experience Jesus in his glorified state. Can we put your tent? <laughs> Bless them. Bless their cotton socks. I would have done the same thing. But then you see this thing when they're waiting in the upper room. They've been broken. They've repented for 50 days. They're in a posture of repentance for 50 days. Turning to Him. Hungry for Him. His ways. Realizing that I was full of myself. Full of the flesh. Full of... Peter, the greatest thing the man did was recognize it. Recognize his need for Christ. Which brought him to a place of humility. You can't manufacture humility. It's a work of the Spirit. Just because you wash someone's feet doesn't mean humility is in you. It's an act of humility. Doesn't mean you are humble. You're just doing a work. Now through that work, God can do something of His Spirit so a posture of humility comes which you walk out and live in your whole life. We try and do all these external things to find an internal reality. doesn't work. Why? Because we're not going through the right door. I am the gate come through, the cross. The cross is the power of God. The cross, the word of the cross is foolishness to everybody who's perishing. But to those of us who are being saved, being, now and being, it's not finished. The ultimate, the first part's finished. If you were to die tonight, you're going to go with him. Now, sanctification, walk it out. Take my word, because my lordship is still not in you, Greg. In this part of your thinking, in this part of your heart, you are still carrying things that are not of me. That's not my thinking. I don't build the church that way. I don't build it on programs. I don't build it around music. I don't build it around all the things. Son, I build it what? On the revelation of my son, which I give in you. I've given you baptism of my power. I build it on my living word. I build it on discipleship. I build it on a body of Christ. I only see one thing. It's a body first. I build it my way, and son, you must submit to it. Otherwise, guess what? You won't be built. Unless the Lord builds the house, they build in vain. There's a whole lot of vain stuff going on. We keep going to the same things, doing the same things, turning up, turning up to the same things. And I don't know, you've got to ask yourself, are you changing? Have you got more of the life of Christ in you today than you had six months ago? Is his word more alive to you than what it was six months ago? Is you, are, you, are you seeing love coming out of you where the, the ugly one would have come out? When you are pressed in a situation, does ugly still come out? What's ugly, Greg? You. Me. I don't know what. We try and rationalize ourselves away. Well, here's your options. You're either demonic, it's either you or it's Christ. I've seen some stuff come out of Christians and I go, man, I can't find that in here. That's an interesting aspect of Christ that I haven't seen yet. Father, reveal that to me. I've seen things come out of me and I've gone, 
Who's that, Lord? That doesn't look like you. Am I possessed? No. Is that me? You've won lotto, son. (laughs) Bingo! Well done. Do you know what spirit you are of, Peter? Hey, James and John, when you're trying to burn the people that I love, that I came to save, by the way, can you see how far that is from the reality of the kingdom of God? Jesus comes to save, they come to kill. Anyone got a problem with that? What is that coming out of their hearts? That's murder. What are the Ten Commandments? Do not murder. Just snap that one, broke that. You're lucky though, my grace is sufficient. It's covering you at this time so you can get your act together. Why? Because I've given you a baptism of my spirit. I'm about to pour my spirit out. He poured it out 2,000 years ago, by the way. It was poured out and you see Peter go from being this guy who's denying Christ to a man standing there in front of everybody and preaching with real fire and real power because of what he's just received. And it says 3,000 people get added. 3,000 Jews get added, which is a reflection of the 3,000 that were lost on Mount Sinai. They weren't Gentiles, they were those from the lost tribes that were in the city at the time and they hear prophecy, they hear the declaration and they go, he's talking about the Messiah, we've been waiting. Boom, 3,000 get added in a heartbeat. Man, this is awesome. Life as a follower is incredible, can be. But there's a wrestle. Had my phone turn upside down. <laughs> I even started at this time and it's not going. I think I have to throw the phone away. The timer. What is the time? And I didn't even get to my main scripture. <laughs> I'll preach it next week. Here's, I think that's enough. I just write, oh, it's in my notes. It's in the notes. Ephesians 3, 14 to 20. It's in those notes. Let's, let's do something this week. Let's go away and read and meditate and read and meditate because there is gold within that passage. You'll see the Apostle Paul praying for something. You'll see him on his knees before the Father in which every name has arrived. And he's praying for a reality. And then start unpacking. There are four things. And the key word is so that. I'm praying this reality so that. One, two, three, four will happen. And then I'll... Maybe speak to, I don't know, might be something else. (laughs) Mm. He loves us so much. He loves us. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, that 
you sent your Holy Spirit. And contained within your Holy Spirit, there is power, resurrected power. Lord, we, we, we can't manufacture that. We can't manipulate it. We, we can't do anything but position ourselves to receive more of you, more of your living truth. And through the receiving of revealed truth comes this power. It's contained within it. And Father, it loosens us from ourselves. And it propels us into your reality. The reality that the Son walked in. Lord, you show us that you had to open minds of people for them to understand. You give us glimpses of what you were doing pre the baptism, the, the pouring out of the Spirit. Lord, there were two men on a road to Emmaus that didn't even recognize you, but were stirred in their spirits from the conversation. And then when you broke bread with them, you were the living bread. They could see. You revealed yourself in them. It wasn't supernatural Mollenberg, Father. It was you being revealed in them and they could see and they were free from a reality that they were in just the night before where they didn't understand. And they come into it, an ability to see you and now start living from that new reality. And I thank you that you've poured out your spirit in these days to be in us, to be revealed in us, and I pray, Lord, as we continue to seek with every part of our being that you would pour out to the measure that you see our hearts are open. And I pray, Lord, that through the power of your Spirit that our heart would be open wide, that the fullness would be poured out into. And you would, from one measure to another measure to another measure, to another measure which would enable us to demonstrate the reality of God that Stephen was able to demonstrate because he was full of you. He was full of faith, full of the Spirit and was able to utter your words, Father, forgive. And his eyes were locked on. He could see you because he was a man of faith. He could see and Lord, I know that is fully available to everyone in this room that makes you Lord, not just Saviour, but Lord. And may your kingdom explode on the inside of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I think I'm going to hand it back over to Simon.